So our scripture passage for today is Genesis chapter 9, and I will read verses uh, 8 through 17. Um, I'm also going to speak about Genesis 15, but I will allow you to read that after the sermon for yourself, um, partly because it wasn't planned. Genesis chapter 9, starting at verse 8. Hear the word of God. This is after Noah and his family comes out of the ark. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those who came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind, and never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the title of today's message is An Unusual Deal. Um, We're going to be talking about covenant um, in connection with baptism, because we had a baptism today. And we often talk covenant, it's it's part of our language. Um, Leah said she went to covenant Christian school. There's a covenant Christian Reformed Church in St. Catharines where I actually attended as a high school student. That's a name and a word we use a lot in in our tradition in particular, in our, um, our strain of Christianity. And I often think that when we use covenant, we sometimes use it as this obligatory term. Sort of like I said about the command to baptize, as if, you know, baptism isn't this most amazing gift that God has given us. He has to command us to baptize. We kind of use that language. And covenant, we sometimes use, well, we're a covenant community, so you have to participate. You have to fit in. You have to grab along. Instead of you have the privilege of receiving this incredible gift of being in community and receiving that love. And, and I think that's something to think about. That's something we should um, reflect on. Today I want to talk about two people with whom God made a covenant. Noah, the passage I just read, and then Abraham, a secondary one that sort of backs it up. I should say again right off the bat that a lot of this material is from the Bayma Discipleship podcast, and so I needed to give credit um, when I get to... I'll get there. I'll talk about it when I get there, if that makes sense. And then... uh, The two images we're going to look at is the rainbow, again, the one we just read about, which is the very commonly understood one. It's in every Sunday school program that there is. And the blood path, which is probably in none of them, um, which also further helps us understand how covenant works. So, chiastic structure. X marks the spot. Uh, When I taught you about creation, we looked at chiasm and he, 
C-H-I is actually the Greek letter that looks like an X. It's a chi, not an X, but it looks exactly like an X. And so I use X marks the spot because what we're looking for in a lot of passages, and again, the reason I give credit to the people who give me my information is I can't find a chiasm to save my life, but there's great people who know Hebrew and Greek way better than I do, and they point them out. And when you see them, hopefully what we'll see here today, is you see, oh, this passage was done artistically to help us understand its main point and to see the beauty of its truth. So I don't know if you ever want to admit this, but when I was reading that passage, did any of you go, I think he said that already? Boy, that passage is repetitive, because it is. It says the same words over and over again. I bet there's not more than 15 words in that entire passage, right? It's not meant to say, here's the information, that's what you need, move on. It's meant to say, this is to let you soak in this truth, and if you soak in that truth long enough, you're going to see that it's actually artistically formed and that there's a center point, and that that center point is what you need to grab and focus on and allow to shape all else that you understand. It looks sort of like this. As you see, um, X marks the spot. The very first line of this promise of God is, I now establish my covenant. The very last line of this promise is, the covenant I have established. Same thing, step backwards. Right? So what we're going to see is the very outer words are the same. The next one's in, second and second last are the same. The next one's in are the same. The next one's in are the same. I'm not going to show you all of them because it gets repetitive. You get the point already. And then right in the middle, there's going to be that nugget that we're aiming for. And that's the purpose of a chiasm is to show you what's that nugget in the middle, nugget in the middle um, that helps you gain the truth of this story. So the second and second last verses are, never again will, there be, will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. And the second last one, never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. You see, again, they're incredibly parallel, incredibly similar. And that's just in English. And then either side of the midpoints, so I'm going to the second to last ones, or the ones right by the middle. Um, verse 13 starts, I have set my rainbow in the clouds. And verse 14 starts, whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears. Clouds and rainbow, clouds and rainbow, or rainbow and clouds. All right, and now the moment you've all been waiting for, drum roll please, thank you very much. The midpoint that is pointed to is, it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And if you grew up in the church, you're going, yeah, we knew that was what the rainbow was all about. What's so exciting about this? So you have on, on either side of this midpoint, rainbow, and right in the middle, this is the sign of this covenant between me and the earth. And it strikes me that, that God makes this covenant between him and the earth. Because all the other languages about this is my covenant between you and, and all the living creatures and all that. Here it's summarized as, as the earth, as the creation. This is God and the creation. But it says, this is my covenant that's the sign that stands between me and the earth. So you think of God in heaven. We always think of that up here and, and the earth below. What's the sign that stands between God, sorry, God and the earth? It's the rainbow. That's what we've learned so far. And you're going, yes, pastor, we got that so much. Why do we pay you to teach us? Ruth Ann thinks that's funny anyways. This is a rainbow. You're welcome for that as well in case you didn't know. This, this is a rainbow. That's not a, you saw that, you know what a rainbow looks like. Let's go there. The original starting, there you go. That's the beautiful rainbow slide that I was given. Notice its shape, right? I know, again, I'm not teaching you anything about rainbows. We will get to something I can teach you. Its shape is a bow, right? An arch. That's where we get archery from. 
archery, you say. That's the same shape. There is actually no word in Hebrew for rainbow. There's only one for bow. What the passage actually says is, I will put my bow as a sign between you and me. And which way does the rainbow bow point? It points to God. Because when God makes a covenant with us, God says, this is how it's going to be. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. And if this relationship breaks down, the arrow's pointing at me. The arrow's pointing at me. Now, you're just going to have to take my word for it that there's no word for rainbow. You have to take my word for it that maybe this bow implies that there's archery pointing at God. That's why I'm also going to take you to Genesis chapter 15, because it helps us see that this is a consistent pattern in God's covenant relationship with his people is the arrow points at me, the, uh, the punishment lands on my side of the fence, right? Um, I make the covenant with you. So these words need some explanation. If you just ran into this in your Bible, Genesis 15, you'd wonder. So the Lord said to him, Abraham, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. So God shows up and says, Abraham, gather a whole variety of animals and bring them to me. If you've read the Bible enough, you know there's often animal stuff going on, so you might not be too surprised. But then it says, Abraham brought all these to him, cut them in two. Why did he do that? God didn't tell him to cut them in two, did he? It's all right there. I didn't take any of the passage out. Why does Abraham cut all these animals in two? He actually knew that as soon as God said, these are the animals I need, this was a common um, treaty arrangement in that time. All kinds of people, all kinds of religions and backgrounds use this basic thing where you brought these animals or animals similar, you cut them in two, and you split them in half and put either half on, um, on either side of a path. They cut them in two and arranged them in halves, position opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half, probably because that's harder, so they just put some on each side. It looks sort of like this. This is the Sunday school version of it. You know we have a very queasy culture when I Google pictures of the blood path, because that's what this is called, and this is as graphic as it gets, and you're welcome, because you probably didn't want to see it any more graphic than that. Those are the animals cut in half, and you see this is handily done where there's a trough running down the middle so that the blood would run down. That's called the blood path. And the way these treaties worked is two people got together, and usually the, um, if they're equal partners, they just each participate in cutting these animals in half, and then they walked down that bloody path, and they got their feet kind of mucky, bloody mucky. And as they did that, what they're saying is, if I break this agreement that we've made, may it be to me what has happened to these animals, may I be cut in half, may I be torn in two, right? It's a very graphic way in a graphic culture of showing what they were committing to. So they walked down that path. Now in this story, what happens actually is there's a whole lot of waiting. And then finally, verse 17, when the sun had set, we started in the morning. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the, pe- the pieces. I'll show you the Sunday school picture again. Smoking fire pot and flaming torch. When, and by the way, this covenant is all about how God says, Abraham, I'm going to take care of you. You're actually, your descendants are going to be in slavery for 400 years, Egypt, if you know the story, and then they will be let out with my powerful arm. 
And of course, if you know the Egypt story, when they were released from Egypt, they followed a pillar of cloud or smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so we know who's, who's walking between these two halves of the animals. These are representations of God, right? And so in this treaty, as I said, normally in the treaty what happens is both parties walk through and say, if, if I don't keep my side of this, may it be to me as has happened to these animals. In this story, only God walks the blood path. God basically says, if my agreement with you, my people, doesn't work out the way it's supposed to, if you don't keep your side of the bargain, may it be to me as to these animals. The blood is on me. And I think it's so important that when we understand covenant language, we shy away from, covenant language means you have an obligation to live up to what God has called you to. No, covenant language first starts with, no matter what, God says, I'm going to make sure this happens, and it's on me to make sure that the covenant agreements that we've made are going to take place. We call that sovereignty. We call that God's power. God will make sure that the agreement that he has with us comes out the way it's supposed to be. And of course, there's a very powerful blood path that God actually walked in the New Testament. That's Jesus on the cross. At communion, we say, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Right? And on the cross, Jesus' hands and his feet and, of course, his side, he bled. He died. He walked that blood path. It's God's way of saying, this isn't working out the way it is. There's still brokenness in this world, and so the arrow's pointing at me, and I'm going to walk the blood path. I will give my life so that this covenant deal works. And I want to encourage you, as you think about our relationship as a community with Jesus, as you think about your personal relationship with Jesus, always understand this, that the first part of every conversation of our relationship with God is not, you need to do these things so that I will love you. It's the exact opposite. He says, I will make sure that what I've called you to happens. The arrow points at me. I will walk the blood path. I will ensure that this covenant takes place. That summarized on my last slide. God's deal with us implicates him. He will take the punishment. He did on the cross. It points at him and is signed only by him. Imagine that you're in a covenant with somebody. You're, you're signing a contract with somebody. You don't have to sign. They just sign. I'll make sure all this takes place. That's God's relationship with us, his people. May we come to understand that the reason we are called to do anything good and beautiful and true in this world is because God has already guaranteed that what will happen through us is his truth and his way. We are not earning something. It's grace. We are not making something happen. It's his love. And hopefully, when we live in a community of people who experience an incredible love of God, our natural response is, that is so amazing to be loved that unconditionally. I'm going to do that for others as well. Hopefully it's a heart response. Hopefully when we say to the Kutsiers and to the Swans family, raise your children to know Jesus, what they raise them to do is not make sure you've done all the right things, but to make sure you understand that you're loved no matter what and at all times, and that God says, this covenant agreement, it's on me. I will ensure that it happens. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we continue to marvel at your love for us. Lord God, when you show yourself to be the one who will take the fall whenever something has fallen and broken. 
We marvel again at your grace and at your love. And we pray, Lord, that we may meditate on that, that we may worship you, that we may experience it again and again, your incredible passion for us and for truth and for life. And Lord, as we receive that and as we understand that, may it also so course through our veins and shape our lives that we respond in kind by loving and being incredibly gracious with others, with each other, and with ourselves. All these things we pray in your holy name. Amen.